you can turn in your Bibles over to Acts chapter 22. Um, and so uh, we're in this season here at the Clemson Foothills Church where um, we have been talking about four principles. Uh, and these are four principles I would go and say this has really nothing to do with the Clemson Foothills Church and has everything to do with the principles of God and what he shared. And, and our goal is never to be just conformed to a church. The church conforms to Jesus. All right, that's really, really, really important. And, and uh, what we've been talking about is, is the, the first principle that, man, nothing else will really matter if we aren't saturated in the gospel. And unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, we could probably make arguments either way. It's great growing up in, in America with the freedoms we have with religion in the southeast of a very religious culture. Uh, but there's a problem with that too, right? Is you've heard that word gospel and you've heard all kinds of connotations of gospel and, and, and very few people think about the gospel to where they're saturated and it guides us in our decision making and how we love one another. Oftentimes we want to be guided by someone else. All right. Um, and then the other side of it is you may be priding yourself on going, no, I don't, I don't let anybody else guide me, but you fail to let Jesus guide you. Okay, is it's not just a matter of rebelliousness here? Okay, it's we're talking about here is we want to be a people saturated by the gospel. Why? Because that's the Clemson Foothills Church. No, that's Jesus. Yeah. All right, that's so important to keep in mind. All right, in this community, and and we're talking about discipleship. That was our second principle that we're going to say we're a people of unconditional discipleship. All right, that is so valuable. Not because again it's the motto of the church, but this is what Jesus said that he died. And there was a reason that he didn't just didn't zip everybody up to heaven. Because there was a purpose for us living in him on this earth. And in fact, he did something crazy. He said, I'm leaving the mission to the church. Okay? And it's not going to be based on your talent. And it's not going to be based on your uh, you know, level of persuasive technique you can use. It's going to be dependent on the power of God. And the choice we have to make is, is will we be really good at loving people in our lives? All right. And, and if you're thinking in your mind right now, you're going, I'm great at that. And everyone else is horrible at that. OK, stop. All right. We aren't good at that. OK, does that mean that, man, that's horrible? No, no, no. Because being a disciple and, the, and, and, and following Jesus is about a journey. It is about an idea that you want to know what I can understand that I need to love well. And it's going to take a lot of years of imperfect loving. And then God did something really amazing in his gospel. See, the gospel isn't just that he sent his son to die and rise for us. The gospel is repentance. The gospel is, I give you another chance. The gospel is mercy and the gospel is grace and all of those things. Can you imagine when we're saturated with those things? Following Jesus becomes not a have to, but a get to. It's like I can really enjoy, and we've lost that, I think, in, in America, where, where people almost feel guilty saying I, it's okay to enjoy being a disciple, yeah. all right? It, it's okay to do that, all right? That, that's the goal, is that regardless of circumstances, we can go, man, this is, I enjoy being in Christ because whether we decide to follow Jesus or not, circumstances are going to be both good and bad for everyone walking this planet, right? And so we've talked about the gospel and discipleship and community of coming together and saying, no, I, I actually will make a choice to be devoted to my community, all right? Not just when my community is perfect, all right? See, Jesus didn't die for that. I mean, that's very important. We spent some time talking about that is his 
strange idea of the church was that he was going to prove his power to the world by having people come together, saturated in the gospel, following him unconditionally. And it was going to be a group of people that honestly in the world should never have loved each other. That's the power. Okay, it isn't, it isn't a homogenous group of people that the only reason we come together is because we're alike. There's no power in that. There's, listen, there's groups all over the place. That's the basis of the group, okay? Whether it's a fraternity or a sorority or whether it's a, just a benevolent organization in town or whether it's a, a team that you like, okay? I mean, could you imagine the, the Clemson football like booster program? They don't want Gamecocks in there. Okay, yes, I mean, we're going, wow, Keith, can you illustrate it a little bit more? I mean, this is how the world works, is groups say, I just want people who are exactly like us in our group, and everyone else, and God said, no, 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 see, what it should be is, is people come together, and, and, and here's the deal, here's the flat side of that, okay, when that happens, you know what's going to happen, is the church will not be what you think it should be, it just won't be. I mean, our expectations of what church should be are so off, which is like, I'm going to go find a church where everybody is at peace. We're not. Okay. Again, like I've said before, I want to find a unicorn too. Okay. It's great. That don't exist. That the church of Jesus is not this. I'm going to go find a group that does all the singing I like and no one really rubs me the wrong way. And the preaching is everything I already agree with and all that kind of stuff. And then we're just going to live this kumbaya life. And if there's any conflict, something's really, really wrong. I'm going, wow. I mean, the way Jesus put the church together is he actually was like, no, I'm going to put a group of people together that if there's not some conflict, somebody's living a lie. Like there's going to be some some budding of heads. And we see that historically. That's not in America. We see that in the first church, right? When it was homogenous, when it was the Jews, you know, everybody's like, hey, we meet together in temple courts every day. This is great, man, because we're all alike. We all look alike. We all come from the same lineage, right? We all do that kind of stuff. And then what do you do? You let the Gentiles in and ruin the whole church, right? You let them in and everybody's going, hey, what's wrong with those people? And then the, the, the Greek Jews and the, the Greek widows and the Jewish widows start fighting with each other in the early church. Could you imagine having been at Pentecost? And seeing the miracles that happened, to possibly be at the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then less than just a decade later, the church has devolved into the widows fighting with one another because they're not getting their food on time. See, we think we have it bad. All right. But we but here's the deal is, is we go, hold on a minute. You mean that happened in the age of the apostles? Right, because the church is made up of these humans that we're not talking about this perfect performance, but there is this idea of everyone being pointed at Jesus is my Lord, though. Okay, and what that means is, is okay, when I'm, when I'm sitting there arguing about me not getting food in time is when I submit my life to Jesus as Lord, I go, you know what, my bad. That wasn't the right heart. Jesus wouldn't have been that way. Please, can, can the community forgive me, please, for doing that? Okay, and then it's amazing because we've all experienced when there's repentance and reconciliation, all right, how much tighter and bonded a community gets, right? And the, all of this stuff is amazing the way Jesus had put it together. And so we're talking about 
really, hopefully you've been thoughtful about this. Am I, am I saturated in the gospel? Like, remember, good news is good news, no matter what's happening in your life, okay? Um, am I unconditionally following Jesus, or has my discipleship just boiled down to, I love you when things go my way, but then I really have a hard time when things aren't going my way. Jesus doesn't change. That, that's the beautiful thing, right? That's part of the good news is God doesn't change based on what's going on in our life, all right? Um, am I devoted to a community or am I a consumer? That's a big one, okay? That hopefully we've been thoughtful about it. A consumer comes in and says, okay, when everybody's the way I want them and the church is the way I want it to be and they're doing all the things I want to do when I want to do them and how I want to do it, so it's sacrificially, I don't have to sacrifice anything at all, all right? I don't have to lean in and have great relationships with people I may not like, all right? Um, that's a consumer. And, and you know what? I don't know. Consumers just weren't, Consumers find something wrong with everything, right? I mean, it, you can become like the consumer reports of Christianity, right? Where everything's like you've broken down everything by all of these different levels. Um, but then here's the deal is, is, is Jesus said this community, as the community lives in him, as the community comes together and loves one another and, and holds the word out among one another, all right? When the community does that, he then says, listen, this is my church will be a disciple-making church. Okay, and, and, and unfortunately, for a lot of years, I think we've just said, no, all we have to do is disciple make. That's it. And so just go out and don't worry about anything else and just study your Bible in terms of how to make disciples and live in terms of how to make disciples. And we forget that, wow, we can be a gospel list, discipleship list, community list people going out, just trying to give information to people and saying, here's information. Now, don't you want to do what, I, what I'm doing? I'm going, I don't know, information is kind of boring unless that's what you're interested in. The gospel is more than information, right? I mean, so it's this, we've been kind of doing this, this, this dive into these four principles, and it's not going to stop just because the year ends. These are principles that I hope we continue to see every time we open our Bible, all right? Every single time we open our Bible, okay? Because it's really, it's fascinating. Um, we have... Um, I think it's very easy, and I don't think I'm painting too much with a broad brush here, but I think sometimes what can end up happening is, is we think this book right here um, should just become to us like a very simple, easy-to-understand manuscript, all right? Like, we, we almost get offended. Like, we think, oh, no, 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 I don't want to talk about that subject because it, it's too much. Like, people are just too confused about that. I, I'm like, this whole book is 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 a... 2,000 year old manuscript it was written in a culture that we don't have any idea of what it's like to live in right it was written to a people and and part of knowing the word of God is being diligent in learning the word of God I, I hope all of us I hope none of us ever you know just think oh, okay I, I can I can you know put my thought processes into other things but man, if the Bible just isn't easy for me, I'm not going to take the time. Okay, is the we have got to dig in. All right, it's interesting. Is 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 um, salvation? Oftentimes, we see salvation as this like concrete period of time that happened that can, that is immovable. Okay, the Bible talks about salvation as a journey. Right, it, Paul writes to the Philippians. He says, "No, continue to work out your salvation." Right. Why? Because I'll tell you, the minute we think it's just this concrete, immovable thing, it's like, I'll never look into that again. And the Bible just teaches salvation and discipleship as this 
maturing, growing process in our life. In 1 Peter, Peter writes and he says, continue to grow up in your salvation. All right? And so it's really an important principle as we dig into disciple making. Because again, as you've heard me share before, and I hope you, you study this out, um, it's really, really important that we don't get isolated on a salvation experience, okay? Of we go, because of this salvation experience, uh, whether it's, you know, common in our day, but I accepted Jesus. I walked forward and prayed the sinner's prayer. Um, I, I received the Holy Spirit on such and such a day. I was baptized in water on such and such a day, right? What ends up happening is, is we see it as this concrete thing, and then nothing matters after that. Like, like we kind of throw everything out the window of, of discipleship, of the gospel, of disciple-making, because we're just totally focused on this one immovable thing, and that's not really... I'm just going to challenge you to study into this. That's not the way the Bible describes it, okay? That, that, th- there's a time when we are justified, for sure, and we're going to look into that. Um, but I want you to remember, it's, it's not this either-or. Some of you are going, no, 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 I don't worry at all about that experience of justification, I just worry about discipleship. Okay. And some of y'all are thinking, no, no, it's just that moment I was saved that matters, and you try to do your best after that. I'm going to say neither match up with what the Bible teaches. Okay. And here's what I'm going to do. We're going to read some things that are very compelling, I think, all right? And we're going to talk about a subject today um, that I'm going to really hopefully just, let me kind of place this in front of you, okay, um, is oftentimes... Um, we boil down churches and go, oh, they believe that because of this group. Oh, no, no, they said that because they believe that. Oh, no, no, that, l- listen, don't sell yourself short. It's, that's too easy. It's, it's too easy, all right? Here's the idea. I don't want to be a church that we go, no, nah, we don't have to, we'll just mindlessly look at our Bible because we already know what our group teaches. I don't want to be that. Oh, no, 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 but we're right and everyone knows right. I don't want to be that, and I don't want you to be that either, okay? And so we're going to talk about this because it's interesting. We live in a world, for better or for worse, in our realm, that is a religious society. We just do. The Southeast is religious. And the question oftentimes is, how do you make disciples in a religious world? Like, how do you do that, okay? At our heart, each one of us in here, are, we're, we're pretty prejudicial, I want you to just think about that for a second. Because I know sometimes it's easy to go, not me, I know those people who are prejudiced. And it's not me, I'm so progressive in that. No, you're not. You, you may be unprejudicial in one area. And it may even be the popular one. It, it's always amazing to me how much the populace comes out when it becomes popular, right? It's like, oh, that's the thing to latch onto. And I'm going, no, no, I think when we're talking about prejudging someone, um, I think it's more than just one issue. Right, it's too easy, but but hopefully you're not. I just just I'm going to lay that in front of you to think. I think we're probably prejudicial. Here's what I mean by that. There are certain people in our society that we feel totally fine that you have to go in and 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 communicate the gospel to this group because clearly they aren't saved. And those are usually people that look kind of not like normal Christians. Like we're okay with that. You go, man, the, 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 the biker bar down the street. Oh, yeah, yeah, no one's going to get angry at you going and trying to reach out to the biker bar. 
No, no one's going to go get angry at you. Oh, but what about this group over here? Man, we passed all these groups, you know, uh, at, at homecoming, and clearly they weren't Christians. And nobody gets upset for going, yeah, we need to get in there and study the Bible. Right? But heaven forbid, heaven forbid, we claim that we need to teach the clean-looking people. For real, I want you to think about that. I experience this a lot. It's the anger and the frustration of going, you can't say that about that person when nothing's been said. (laughs) You open the Bible with my friend, and they're clearly a Christian. Well, that's what Christians are supposed to do. I mean, the minute I get to a place where somebody goes, Keith's off limits, don't open the Bible with him. He's perfect. He's got it. That's a bad place to be. Oh, man, how dare you open the Bible with me? How dare you question what I... Listen, man, I'm thinking, I'm a work in progress, and so are you. Like, that is the epitome of prejudicial, kind of this prejudging of there are certain people that, buddy, you don't, they're untouchable when it comes to sharing the gospel because they look clean already. And if if that's something that you have, like, um, like latched onto, I'm going to ask you to go back and study the Bible because that isn't the heart of Jesus. It's not the heart of Jesus, okay? It, it isn't, all right? Jesus went to the religious people first. He went to his own people. Could you imagine that? I mean, could you imagine going to a conference and it's your own fellowship and somebody going, hey, man, let's study the Bible. No, no, you don't understand. I got a badge. <laughs> I paid to be here. Of course I'm saved. My badge says I am. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, don't challenge me, okay? Can you imagine what a rough situation that is to be in as a d- group of disciples? When it's like, no, there's certain, ad- hands off, man. But we do this in our world. We do this in, in the religious south, which is, hey, you know what? Don't go to All In Coffee and share your faith. Because everyone there is a Christian. You have to be to go to All In. I mean, the, the lost <laughs> people are at Starbucks, right? <laughs> Like, that's the folks you go and you're like, oh, yeah, that dude is lost. Somebody needs to reach out to that guy. All right? It, it is so funny how our brain work, how our brains work. And, and I don't know if that frustrates you or that just makes you pity me to say something like that, or I don't know, but I'm just saying open your eyes. Okay? Because we're talking about disciple-making, not because, because it's this human thing. It's because Jesus died. And he said, man, my church has to go out and do this here, okay? And it's fascinating in Matthew 28, Jesus gives this completely ridiculous thing at the end. Sometimes it should make you think, should Jesus be in the ministry? I mean, nobody laughs at that. You're like, I am, <laughs> Keith, you will not get me to laugh at that, okay? But there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheekness in the Bible because it's the idea of sometimes we consider ourselves so smart and progressive and we know the way and we know how to reach the groups and we have the books and we have the ability to how to reach this group and how to reach that group and you need to say it this way and not say it that way and all that kind of stuff and going wow that's pretty interesting jesus got 12 dudes together who by the way we would be okay with him evangelizing because they were ordinary unschooled men see those guys are never saved right ordinary unschooled unsaved that's for, no one's going to get angry at us reaching out to that, right? And he says, he comes in, he says, listen, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We talked about that Wednesday is that Greek construct of that into the name of, ice to onomo, 
which is go baptize them into the property of God. That's crazy. That's not even a Christian word. That's like, no, no, no. You're going to baptize them so they're not the property of them anymore. They're the property of God. And then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. All right? That's amazing. And we're all okay with the authority. Like, I, I can have conversations about with, with just the, the, the religious world, the Christian world, where everybody's like, yeah, Jesus, all authority has been given to Jesus. And yeah, people need to go and make disciples. And yeah, we need to teach them to obey everything. Why on earth did Jesus put that dumb thing right in there? He says, baptize them in the name of Jesus. Why did he say that? And, and here's the sad thing to me, is that um, very few churches at all dig into that idea of why did he tell his people to go and baptize? The church of today would argue with Jesus. They would say baptism doesn't mean anything. It's not necessary. Like do the other things, but leave that one out. I'm going, do you think Jesus was just a little dull that day? He missed the point, right? I mean, we're smarter than him today. We say it doesn't matter. We say we fight too much about it. And I'm saying, hey, don't take the low-hanging fruit, okay? It's not, God has put a brain in your head to not just follow around without thinking. He gave you a brain to go into his word and say, hold on a minute, what does it say, okay? Because here's the thing about belief and faith is that there's a trust when maybe you don't understand everything. We want to be clear. Like, no, 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 Keith, you need to make it clear. And if it's not clear, it has nothing to do with faith. Wow. Then what is faith? Faith, I'm only going to trust. I'm only going to believe. I'm only going to have faith in the things I understand completely. Like, I'm not going to look into anything else except he said this. And you're going, well, okay, but what if he made a mistake? What if he didn't mean it? Except Peter, and we read in Acts chapter 2, Peter was like, hey, repent and be baptized. For the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And man, I'll tell you what, that's like lighting bombs right there. That's like lighting dynamite. It's going to repent. Be, no, 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 baptism. No, uh-uh. it doesn't mean. And I'm going, okay, so Jesus is wrong and Peter is wrong, but I'm right. Jesus is wrong and Peter is wrong, but all the teachers afterwards are right. I want, just please think about that. I don't know where you stand on this. I, I, I know where some of y'all stand on this. But man, if, if we close our eyes... Right? I heard something this week. Somebody was like, no, once, once I learn that y'all are going to talk about baptism, I'm not having nothing to do with that because it's, uh, people just argue and fight, and I'm not into that. Th- then don't argue and fight. Just let's read the Bible and obey it. How about that? Like, when did it stop being like, no, I'm only finding the place that will teach me what I already know is true? Because I didn't grow up believing this. I didn't, okay? And we're going to talk to some folks who didn't either, all right? But when, when Jesus says it, and then Peter says it, and then Paul, now here's the, the rub with Paul, all right? Paul was the clean guy. Paul's the one who threw everyone on their ear. Paul was the guy that if there was anybody you don't reach out to, I, and now let's be real about this. Have you ever had a friend that somebody was like, Let's study the Bible. And they study the Bible, and a friend gets offended. We, we study baptism, and they think I'm not a Christian. I'm, I'm done with that. Okay. Think about how that made you feel. Okay. Probably got angry at your brother or sister. 
probably got frustrated at the church. See, this is their problem. They do all this kind of stuff. Except here's the problem. God did that with Paul. See, the ordinary unschooled guys, no one cared about them becoming Christians. No one cared. But Paul was different. Paul was taught under Gamaliel. Paul was superior to the Jews for the most part. Paul was a teacher of the Jews. Paul was taught by a man who was esteemed as one of the greatest teachers of all times. And God himself said, that dude ain't getting off here. See, that's the guy. He turned everything upside down. And in Acts chapter 22, as Luke is writing the book of Acts, he gets into this, okay? And Paul, he, Luke records Paul's situation here, okay? And, 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 uh, and, and in verse 6 of Acts 22, uh, no, actually, let's start on verse 1, okay? Uh, brothers and fathers, this is, this is quoting Paul right here. Listen now to my defense before you, right? The, the crowd, he's in Jerusalem. Um, the crowd's had enough of Paul. They had enough of him teaching about the way of Jesus. Um, he came into town in chapter 21 with some Greek brothers. That means they couldn't go into the temple. And the reason Paul's arrested right now, because they said he brought the Greeks into the temple. Except it's interesting, he didn't bring them in. Uh, in chapter 21, it says they just assumed he did. Isn't it amazing how Satan works? Is The people are upset at the teachings of Paul about Jesus. And what really fired them up is an assumption that wasn't even true. You ever heard that before? Like, like you're angry at God. But then you're going, but no, that person, you know what he did? He brought Greeks into the temple, and we need to arrest them. We need to do all those kind of things. But it wasn't true. See what happens is assumptions, man, they mess things up. They mess things up. And then in Acts 22, Paul says, listen, everyone, sit down. Please, everybody, here's my defense. When they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even quieter. He continued, I'm a Jewish man. Born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and educated according to the strict view of our patriarchal law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. He's going, guys, I am the hands-off guy. I am the hands-off guy. I'm the friend that you think should be offended if anybody studies the Bible with them. Paul was saying, I am that guy. He said, uh... I persecuted this way. Okay, they called Christianity the way. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women in jail, as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to bring those who were prisoners there to be punished in Jerusalem. Then he says this, As I was traveling near Damascus, about noon, an intense light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground. And I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And, and he said, I'm Jesus the Nazarene, the one who you're persecuting. Isn't it crazy? Did, did, listen, did Paul not really have that experience? I mean, sometimes this is a weird thing. Is We're like, no, no, no. Once I have an amazing experience with God, that means all is good. I would say this is a pretty amazing experience. 
I don't know what your experiences have been with God. I've had experiences with God my whole life. But this one's pretty amazing. It blinded him. Would you remember that one? You go, wow. Now, now I'm a disciple. Right? No, he's just blind. He's just like, who are you? And Jesus is like, it's me. Dude, it's me. You're persecuting me. All right? Could you imagine? Now I'm good because I heard the voice of Jesus. I mean, could you imagine one of your friends? I want you to think about it. A family member going, hold on a minute. There was a bright light in my house. I went blind and heard the voice of Jesus. Why are you proclaiming the gospel to me? Because he wasn't done yet. Because Paul wasn't okay yet. Paul wasn't where he needed to be yet. But you know what? God will get our attention. Sometimes we think that's the salvation time. Is God going, dude, wake up. We're going, that's when I became a Christian, okay? Except that's not when Paul did. He said, I'm Jesus of the Nazarene, the one you're persecuting. Now, those who were with me saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Then I said, what shall I do, Lord? Great question. What what should I do? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told about everything that is assigned for you to do. And you know what he did? He went up and went there, and he couldn't find it himself. So he's like, hey, you, you guys need to help me find it. All right? And so, again, we have this really cool thing going on with Paul here is you have a guy that, quite honestly, nobody would evangelize because he's pretty much better than everyone else. But God wasn't having it, all right? Then God got his attention, but that wasn't what did it. The light, okay? And that really happened. I mean, that wasn't like, no, you didn't really experience it. No, you really did experience it. You really did talk to Jesus, and he told you to do something, and you even obeyed him. You obeyed him. You went, okay? Was that enough? And he sent you to this guy's house, Ananias. He went right where he was supposed to. In a verse, thing, verse, uh, verse 12, someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good reputation with all the Jews residing there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the sound of his voice. For you will be a witness for him to all the people of what you've seen and heard. And now why delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins by calling on his name. And that amazing is we learn the worldview. We learn the worldview of the first century church of calling on his name. Is Ananias like call on his name? You get you're baptized, you call on his name. All right, that was the common thinking of the day. You're like, hold on a minute. Didn't Ananias know anything about Martin Luther? Didn't Ananias know anything about John Calvin? Didn't Ananias know anything about, you know, any of the popes? Didn't he know anything about them? No, man, none of that stuff existed. That's guys. That's men. Maybe you revere them. That's great. They did good things, but they're not Jesus. You know, I mean, these guys didn't know. They were just like, Jesus, tell me what to do. Isn't it amazing here? It's absolutely amazing that we would probably, and, and why I'm laying this out here is because if we're going to be disciple makers, um, we've got to be serious about every aspect of the Great Commission, which isn't this idea of I'm just going to focus on this salvation experience. Um, but what comes after it, he says, teach others to obey everything I've commanded you. Mm-hmm. Like that's equally important. But you can't leave this out either. You can't leave it out. All right? Paul couldn't have left it out. Sometimes we go, but what's the purpose? What's the purpose of that? Well, the purpose was, obviously, Paul couldn't even leave it out. He wasn't good enough to leave it out. 
And so there's this idea that we've, we've got to dig into this and go, hold on a minute. Maybe I've bought into what the world says, which is I'm okay with anyone like you're washed of your sins if you've had a major experience with God. Is that, is that your theology? Everyone who's had a major experience with God. Everyone who has a great story. And understand, I want you to be very clear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that didn't happen. Like you can say, no, no, Keith, I saw this miracle happen. I saw, no, the same thing happened to me. A, a light. You may say, no, I went blind too. God spoke to me. I would say, hey, dude, there's fine. That's great. All right? There's, it's not debating the experience happening or not, except Paul had an experience. And he still wasn't washed of his sins yet. And that's very interesting. I think we need to think about that. I think we need to think about that more. I think as a people, we have to think about that more. Okay? And then he went and obeyed God. He actually obeyed Jesus. And he still was not washed of his sins. And what's amazing about that is, is that oftentimes the very things that we would say, no, how could that person live this way if they weren't washed of their sins? Well, clearly you can do that. You can obey and have experiences with God, and our sin is still on us. I want you to think about that. Would that be the worst trick you could possibly ever have felt played on you when Jesus came back? Is to go, hold on a minute. I obeyed you. Like I was a good person. I had experiences with you, God. Like experiences that are, like no one can question the experiences. But he's going, hold on a minute, but I have to wash you of your sin. And that means you have to die to yourself. Isn't it amazing how Paul became kind of like the foremost author on baptism theology, which was Romans 6. He says, at baptism, you die to your old self, and you rise to new life. He says to the Galatian churches, he says, when you're baptized, you're clothed in Jesus. Like, so God can't see all nasty you, you're clothed in Jesus. In Colossians 2, as they were talking about all kinds of like legalism and stuff, he says, no, 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 baptism isn't a works. It's It's an issue of faith. Isn't it amazing? Paul became the foremost author on this this doctrinal issue. But we've got to dig in. We've got to dig in and have some intellectual honesty because you may be somebody, you may be the Paul. You may may have had the experience. You may have had all those things and the sin is still on you. And that's a hard truth to hear. That's a very hard truth to hear. All right? What our own pride will tell us is don't let people talk to you that way. Don't look into this. You know better. Um, I'm going to say dig into the Word of God. All right? I, I've never been to a baptism where somebody's like, that person was so foolish. <laughs> they, they pretended to be all these great things, but they are, wow, how foolish can you be? You, you look like this, you know, totally awesome person, and you're submitting to God in baptism? Yes, see, you're submitting to Him faithfully. You're dying to yourself. We've got to dig into this more. I wanted, I wanted Patrick and Megan to come up and share for a few minutes because I think sometimes we've got to kind of hear from people like, hey, what's your experience been? Because oftentimes, again, we get into a place of going, no, no, okay, I know what kind of church that is. I, I know what kind of church that is. They teach baptism. I don't want to be that way. I don't want, I don't want the church to be that way. I don't think anybody here wants the church to be that way. I want to be like, let's dig in. And if there's any place we got to, like, alter our course or something like that, let's do it. Right? I mean, I, I think everybody wants that. But it means us talking about things that aren't always comfortable. 
And it means like going, okay, hey, I wasn't down with that before, but I see that. All right? And so I wanted Patrick and Megan to come up because I think their lives and just kind of what's going on with them is going to be really helpful and beneficial to us. So why don't you guys come up and, and share a little bit uh, just about some of your experiences. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Patrick. We're going to share for a few minutes just kind of our spiritual journey and, and where we've come from growing up. Um, I was raised in a Christian household, and church was extremely important to my family. So uh, we went to church on Sundays, Wednesdays. We did volunteering. Um, my parents did a phenomenal job of modeling Christianity in the home. Um, essentially, so like what something that a term that we use here is family group. We have you know big church corporate meetings, and then we have a, a small more intimate setting for a few of us to get together and be real, be open, be vulnerable, really get to know each other and build relationships. My family had their version of that. They didn't call it family group, but they had intimacy, accountability, deep roots. They still meet together with that same group. Uh, It's been since 1991 they've met with the same group, and they all know each other's kids and grandkids. They spend holidays together. They go on vacations together, so it was real and substantial to them, and as a result, uh, I grew up uh, seeing all of that, experiencing all of that, Uh, I started having my own quiet times, my own faith, my own relationship with God, and uh, pursuing Him, falling in love with Him, I went to church, I went to regional conferences, I went to a summer camp, I went on international mission trips, and it was all real and substantial, and uh, there was another step for me, but while I was quote-unquote unsaved without getting baptized or seeing what that does in the Bible, uh, I, became a high, uh, I became a disciple of Jesus while I was in high school. And, and not only that, but God put it on my heart to be in the ministry, to live a life of ministry regardless of my vocation, because I saw the... Um, I saw that it was fulfilling, and I didn't want to just join the rat race, and so I was traveling to Brazil and Honduras and doing medical missions, and to me that was much more real than uh, seeing a life of people without faith that, you know, they just live for a paycheck and punch the clock and, you know, live for the vacation or buying the nice things. I didn't want any of that. Um, And so prior to baptism... Uh, prior to the forgiveness of my sins, prior to the indwelling spirit, God was pursuing with me. He was He was pursuing me. He was with me, walking with me, teaching me, learning all about Him. I, I, I kind of think about it as, as a, a a wedding because the, that's how I I've been through that, and I can relate to Megan that way. That that salvation can be like this big mountaintop, you know experience where your relationship with that person is radically changed forever but before that there's the engagement where it gets really intentional and focused and personal and real but before that there's just you know the dating you're interested you're getting to know each other it's exciting and before that you know you're just friends or acquaintances or whatever and I feel like my relationship with God followed this course of years and years and years of increasing in depth and substance and power and excitement and 
if I just put my relationship with God in this box of, oh, well, yeah, I, I studied the Bible when I came to college, and nothing before that mattered, and we, he wasn't real to me, you know, before I decided to get baptized, then I think that hurts God. I think he's like, wow, did that, all of my pursuit of you mean so little, all of the, all of our time together, all of the excitement and parenting and um, all the things that we did, none of that, did that not mean anything to you? So I've, I've really held on strongly to my experience with God throughout my life and not just seeing it as, you know, this super binary black and white, like I became an individual and a disciple before, like right when that happened and nothing else mattered before. It was all important and part of God's plan for my life. So I'm going to make share for a minute. Um. When I was thinking about this, I feel like for me, for us, whatever, when we mess this up, I feel like the cross becomes a a lot less valuable. Like, I think of the whole Old Testament and, like, even just God, like, in in Isaiah, when he's describing Jesus who's going to come and then what all's going to happen and, like... He did that for a people who didn't love him, who weren't disciples, who weren't Christians, people who weren't going to choose him. And I think, like, for me, I think God demonstrated his love so much more before I chose him. And that, goodness gracious, that means so much. Before I got baptized, and, like, he's continued to just shower me with grace and all this stuff, but I had less religious ambition than Patrick did growing up. Um, but I still grew up in a, in a household that like believed in God and that, oh my gosh, that means so much to me because I don't think I would be in the same place that I am today if I didn't have that. And I'm so grateful that God Mm -hmm. chose my parents for me or however that works, chicken or the egg, I don't know which comes first. Like (laughs) they came first. They they did come first. (laughs) True. It's science. It's science. (laughs) Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like there were so many times in my life where I, I loved God. I grew up in an environment where that was very important. Um, but I feel like in in high school and stuff, I, I got really confused because I, I, I knew that there was more to God and to Jesus, but I didn't see it around me. I saw a lot of, like, hypocrisy around me, but then... It's what God put on my heart again and again, and I kept coming back to, and I kept coming up empty because I didn't see it. And I just feel so grateful that he was willing to stick with me because I feel like I had all these experiences where he would, like, help me see my sin, help me see the grace. My dad is, like, one of the biggest servants in the whole world, and if I didn't learn, like, God's love from him growing up, like, I don't know if I would have learned it in the same way. And I just, I feel like I le- I've learned so much about God in the past, like, eight years or so, since coming to school, seven years. I don't know when I came up here. That doesn't matter. I feel like God has shown me so much since I've come here, but he also showed me so much growing up. Like, time and time again, I feel like he would reveal himself to me, and I'd be like, okay, great, but not now. I've got my own priorities. I've got my own thing. And again and again, for years, he pulled my heart, what Patrick's talking about, this, like, great pursuit to, like, win us over because God's in the business of, like, reconciling us yeah. to himself. Like, and he didn't start that when, like, someone came up to me. from I met Jordan years ago, Jordan Hall, who came up to me and was, like, the first version of, like, a consistent Christian that I had met and stuck with. 
Like, that wasn't the first time that God introduced himself right. to me. Like, right. the first time God introduced himself, well, I don't know when that was. But it was, like, years and years and years That's before, right. and I don't know. I, I'm grateful for what God's given me now, but mm-hmm. yeah. it, it, it didn't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I wanted baptism before baptism was, like, a thing. I remember, like, coming to college and bringing my Bible and bringing my journal because I was like, surely God will help me because good grief I want this I don't know how to I can't do this on my own but I know that this is right because it's what he's put on my heart and wanting like closeness with him but I didn't know what that was like so when someone showed me it didn't mean that my life before that was meaningless it finally is like the end of a movie like the climax where everyone's happy at the end it's like yeah you finally figured out like the treasure and then you just keep going from there. That's a bad analogy. I don't watch a lot of movies. But anyways, <laughs> I don't know. I like. I'm gonna, hold on. I'm gonna, no, I don't want to use your Bible. It's not a you thing. It's a it's a me thing. <laughs> your words are different. I just I kept thinking of in Isaiah 55 the like invitation or the call to the call from the Lord, and God says via Isaiah to His people after they were like horrible for thousands of years come everyone who is thirsty come to the waters and you without money come by and eat come by wine and milk without money and without cost blah 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 not blah 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 but (laughs) pay attention and come to me listen so that you will live i will make an everlasting covenant with you the promises assured to david seek the lord while he may be found call to him while he is near let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts let him return to the lord so he may have compassion on him and to our god for he will freely forgive for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways and he goes on and it's like i love isaiah but i i don't know i feel like god didn't start loving me when i got baptized when my sins were gone like he started loving me when he thought through my creation like hundreds or tens or however many years before and I love when we were like reading about Paul and stuff because Paul was I was not the bomb Paul was like righteous to bar none but God pursued me in the same way and for some for like if we minimize that and other people regardless of if someone takes it personally I like I don't really care about that but like what you're saying I feel like that to diminish what God's done in other people's lives I feel like we just miss so much of the mystery and so much of his pursuit. And we, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be less creative if I'm not willing to open up and be humble to the fact that God's a lot bigger than me. And yeah. Like, yeah. me saying the right or wrong thing, I can't yeah. mess anything up. I wanted to share um, real quick my thoughts. Um, this isn't Sermon 2.0, but um, some of the thoughts that, from what we've been talking about on Wednesday, uh, we were talking about salvation and baptism uh, I appreciate what Keith said uh, he said salvation is independent of an individual's intent character experience or education um, he didn't say those words exactly but uh, yeah and I just as an example of that I was thinking this week uh, Matthew 7 it says uh, on that day many will say to me Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name cast out demons and do many mighty works all in your name um, and these people had faith they had a mission they had uh, power obviously they're casting out demons that's more than I've ever done um, but Jesus they're unsaved for whatever reason um, that was before Pentecost but regardless Jesus is like 
So anyways, I think that's interesting that um, salvation can be independent of those things. But also, on the other hand, uh, our opinion of how God weighs those traits, frankly, doesn't matter at the end of the day. And we have to be humble enough to draw the line and say, okay, I have intellectual honesty, I have conviction, I've studied the scriptures rigorously, but I don't know. Like, I, I, my desire is that everyone be saved. And so if God, if I get to heaven and God's like, you know what, I let every human being who's ever lived get into heaven. I hope I would be happy with that and not be like, those Baptists or those indigenists or those Muslims, like... Shame on me if, if I've got prejudice or because I came to a conclusion while on earth that a group is definitely not saved, that like that's just so arrogant and jacked up. And God doesn't ask us to be judged at any point. So we're in the ministry of reconciliation and we have a responsibility to know the scriptures and to know what God says because he's made it clear. But at the same time, we don't know, and so don't assume people's salvation and start condemning left and right or not being teachable or open. Uh, I think that's very close-minded and yeah. foolish. So, these are my thoughts. But, that's good. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. Good. The um, trait. I mean, th- but you all know what? I, I really appreciate what y'all shared there. I think we could probably open this up and have people just come on down and share. And this is a really, uh, th- there's a lot of thought that goes into this, right? I mean, unfortunately, um, boy, I-, I think it's just too easy in the, in the Christian world to be lazy and go, I'm not talking about that. Or, or to chalk it up to a group or something like that. Here's, here's what I dream of more than anything is, I don't know, again, I don't, I don't know what other groups do. I don't know what other groups in our own fellowship do. I don't know. I don't care, to be quite honest with you. Um, And I don't mean that to be mean or divisive or any of those things. I'm going, this is what we have here. And and to me, I want to be a community where, man, if if everything was just boiled away from groups and fellowships and all that kind of stuff, we're just a people coming together, reading the Bible that we would go, man, we're a little off on this. Let's, let, we, guys, we've got to do this. We've we got to adopt this. We haven't adopted this. I want to be that kind of group. All right? But here's what that takes, though, is it takes you, you got to, the, the, the group as a whole can't be lazy in your thinking. Okay? Because, again, no, 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 no. It's just boiled down. That's just what a group does. You're just being told by somebody to do that. You're just being, no. I know about this community. All right? And I think what, what Pat said is so important. A lot of times we take the Great Commission and think that God has put us as the police officers of the world. Like that's what he really told us to do is go around and we decide everyone's spiritual life. I don't remember reading that, okay? This is not an either or. This isn't go make disciples, but I can't be a police officer. I'm not doing it, okay? No, no, no. It's like read it, share it. That's what I know we're told to do. <laughs> I know we're told to do that. And, and like Patrick said, if... If in the end, God's like, no, I let everyone in. If that upsets you, then there's, I think you have a bigger issue with God, right? But I will say this, too. Don't be lazy and go, okay, because it's kind of hard to talk about this stuff, I'm going to already decide for God that people don't need to hear this. Don't be like that, all right? That, oh, no, 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 I'm going to, don't be prejudicial. Don't go, no, no, there's certain people, they just look clean, so I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. 
No. Okay, that, that's not what that means. It's not what it means. We can't hide behind the rock and say, I'm not going to teach this. It's interesting. Finally, we're going to just finish up with this. Is um, Priscilla and Aquila met a man named Apollos. All right? And, and this is one of those things that honestly probably frustrates us just a little bit um, about the Bible. All right? Um, they, they met a guy named Apollos. Let me, let me just tell you this story uh, in verse 24 of chapter 18. There was a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was powerful in the use of scriptures. He arrived in Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he was fervent in spirit, and he spoke and taught about the things of Jesus accurately. That sounds like a great dude. <laughs> that sounds like an untouchable dude. You're going, you're fervent, you preaching, you know the way, you know all this kind of stuff. He says, but all he knew was the baptism of John. So that meant everything before is a race now, right? See, because that's what laziness does in our thinking. We say, okay, if this is true, then everything before must... No, that, that doesn't mean it at all. That means that God never worked in Apollos' life. No, that's not what it meant at all. That means God didn't love Apollos until Priscilla and Aquila came in. No, that's not what it meant at all. Don't listen to those lies, all right? Take every thought captive, all right? Don't buy into those things. And nothing that Apollos did mattered. That's not true. Everything before, all the sermons he preached was worthless. That's not true. He spoke accurately, but no one had ever sat him down and said, Apollos, man, there's a baptism in the name of Jesus, okay? And, and, uh, and Priscilla and Aquila, instead of going, man, that dude, we're not going to talk to him about that. They said, no, come to our home so we can talk about this because you're awesome. Because you have it on straight, because you're fervent. But buddy, this is you got to teach this differently. And and, uh, and so anyway, uh, uh, they although he knew only John's baptism, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him home and explained the way of God to him more accurately. And then when he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers wrote to the disciples, urging them to welcome him. Hold up. All right. Did Apollos get baptized? This frustrates us with the Bible. Because we're like, if it was important, it would be spelled. I'm going, what they Our, we don't reason very well sometimes. Um, did he get baptized again? The text doesn't say. So therefore, baptism doesn't mean anything. Does that sound logical? All the teaching before it is negated. <laughs> what Jesus taught, what Peter taught, what Paul taught is all negated because it doesn't tell us right here what he did. What we do know is he went and taught the way accurately. We do know that he did that. We do know that he adjusted his teachings in this area, okay? But, but here's the deal. As human beings, we want things, we want to be in a place where we don't have to think about hard things. I would love to go, you know what? As an adult, I don't have to be baptized because I don't even know if Apollos did. Well, we don't know that Apollos didn't either. This is uncomfortable sometimes to talk about because it's on your plate. It's not on the church's plate. <laughs> it's not on my plate as a preacher. It's not my job to spell it out for you. Uh, as much as we want there to be this clarity of everything, all right? The Bible's written in poetry. That takes some work. 
Jesus taught in parables. That takes some work. All right? Apollos was taught accurately. He went on and was taught accurately. He was told by Priscilla and Aquila. He, the Priscilla and Aquila told the church he was going to accept him as a brother. All right? But I'm just going to kind of lay that in front of you because you may be in a place, seriously, you may be in a place where you're going, my sin is still on me. And I've had experiences. I've been obedient. I have preached fervently. I have lived fervently. I have died to my sins. I have done these things. But I have not obeyed and surrendered in faithful baptism. Okay? Um, Sometimes in our world, that's an uncomfortable message. Uh, but it might be the easiest thing I ever preach about all year. <laughs> all right? Like, repenting of, like, deep sin is hard. To faithfully join Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection is quite possibly the simplest thing that I've ever been commanded to do in the Bible.